Welcome to C Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The Mystic Portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Happy Friday. I guess that just tells you mentally where I am ready to be. Oh, my God. What a week it's been. Fantastic interviews. We have some amazing celebrities coming your way in the coming days and weeks. But today we are chatting with Brent Huff. He was the absolute best and he is best known and can be seen as is Officer Smitty on ABC's The Rookie. They are in season three right now, and we talk about his role, Smitty. And also, he is an amazing director and writer. He has done so many other projects, and we cover all of that and just his creative processes and and why he loves to create, how he got his start in Hollywood as a model. I mean, he was just hilarious, and he's the best. I think you're going to love it. Thanks for listening and joining in. If you love the show, be sure to text a friend, let him know, subscribe. Absolutely free. You can follow us over at the Open Mic Podcast. Show for all of the latest updates and everything like that. Brent, welcome into the podcast, sir. It's good to have you on the show today. Well, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. If you fast forwarded through the intro, like a lot of people do, and you're listening in, we are chatting with Brent Huff of The Rookie. My God, this is such a fun show, and I'm excited that you're here. I love your character. I love the entire show. How fun is it? it uh, and, and amazing it must be to be a part of such a, a crazy, fun, wild ride of a show. Uh, and, and I think by far, I was actually talking to my roommate about this this morning, uh, one of the best police drama comedies on TV right now. And of course, you play the character Smitty, which we already mentioned, which is great. And honestly, I feel like a fan favorite. How much fun is it to be on this show and have such amazing writing and storylines that you guys? Oh, uh, I got to tell you, I'm so blessed to be on this show. It's uh, the writing is great. The writers are great. Alexi Holly, who created the show, he's awesome. The cast, crew, it's like uh, every day I go to the set, I'm, uh, I love it. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Now, I do have kind of a side question here. Do you guys have advisors on the show that kind of help you tell the story? Because I honestly feel like this could be pretty on point as far as what LAPD might look like as far as a rookie training program and things like that. Oh, there are their technical advisors, and I go to them for advice all the time. And <laughs> Great. I, would, I would say, would Smitty really do this? And they're like, oh, no, we know guys just like Smitty, and he would absolutely do that. <laughs> I go, okay. And, he, and they said, Smitty's one of these guys. Oh, that's a bunch of BS. I don't want to do that. And they go, oh, no, we, we know this guy well. That so, is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know if you saw that uh, sort of when – Actors, we sort of come up with our biography ourselves, like sure. where we live and all that thing. And uh, so I had in my mind pictured where Smitty would live. And then they wrote an episode where actually see, yes. I live in a trailer park I call Shangri-La West. It's a parking <laughs> lot next to the Wilshire Station with the uh, LA skyline in the back. And so I went to see, when they brought me onto the set, there was my little trailer. There's surrounded by all these other trailers. There's 
pink flamingos put up and barbecues and other officers there that have all been kicked out of the house by their wives <laughs> as well. <laughs> and I said, this, I would live here. This looks like a good time. So, uh, yeah, that's rather funny. Like, again, it's such a believable story that you were telling every week that I could see cops actually doing that, like single cops and things like that. It doesn't seem like, okay, they're acting or they are trying to create this world, like say a lethal weapon type scenario. It's kind of like, this seems very real in how you tell the story. And uh, I like it. Yeah. I, I was talking to one of the writers and he said, no, no, I think it was San Jose that they actually have trailers next to the police station where these uh, officers live. And a lot of times, I guess the divorce rate is high with cops. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) A lot of them get kicked out by their wives or whatever. And it's like, so then it's like, oh, I'm just going to hang out with my guys here. You know, and we'd have a a drink a mojito (laughs) after work. It kind of, well, I live in the Bay Area. So I'm now I'm going to have to research that a little bit because I'm very curious about that. And for those who may not have seen the show, you are missing out because this is so great. And we went so long without any episodes because of COVID. And we'll talk about that. But for those who have not seen the show, can you tell us a little bit about your character and how he fits in? You seem to be kind of a natural at uh, this character, Smitty. Well, it's really funny. So I just, you know, it was like a one shot deal at uh, season one. I was in one episode. Yeah. And I came in and um, John Nolan, who's Nathan's character, you know, he's a rookie and they're giving him a chance to kind of, we're going to do this raid in this motel. And so the rookies, we seasoned vets call them boots. Right. And so I go, I got to take orders from this boot, you know, Nathan's character. And I go, <laughs> I don't want to do that, this, that, and that. And so I was kind of a hard ass. And so I thought I was going to be this crusty older cop, you know, that's uh, just waiting for retirement. And uh, just, you know, when I see these rookies, I was going to be hard on them, really kind of a tough guy. And that changed completely. I went from that to like, I'm the fun guy, kind of a goofy guy that has no filter. He'll say anything. Yes. You know, he'll say what other people are thinking, but it comes out of his mouth. And just, you know, sometimes it's goofy. It's, uh, it's funny when I first get a script, from another episode, my wife will walk in and she'll say, what did Smitty do this time? And I'm like, oh my God, you can't believe, you know, and it's always fun stuff. And then, you know, when we're out in public, we'll see somebody do something that's kind of silly or goofy. And she goes, oh, that's so Smitty. And I go, yeah, it's like, what would Smitty do? It's it's that kind of stuff. So it's it's a lot of fun playing scary. Yeah. You seem to be a natural at comedy and just sort of the subtle humor in just being as an actor. And, and we get that from the show. And again, I mentioned we didn't have a lot of episodes and now we do. You guys in this show have decided the powers that be to not film in quote real time as far as dealing with the pandemic. The last episode, you guys had your roll call outside due to retrofitting on the scenes where you are in roll call, which I was reading that that was going to be a big challenge to come back. So is it kind of nice to not have to sort of work through that whole storyline along with everything else that you're doing? Cause I know a lot of shows are addressing it or address it and then do a flash forward or a jump forward and kind of pretend like it's all over and behind. Well, I think when that was happening, we all thought that COVID would kind of be dying out by now. Oh yeah. A couple months and we're out. Yeah. I thought for now, you know, we were supposed to go back to work like on January the 3rd, you know, after the Christmas break. And then that got pushed. Screen Actors Guild sent a thing out. So production gets pushed back. 
So I don't think they thought they had to address it because it wasn't going to be that long. Got it. Got it. And then, you know, so, and I missed roll call. We had the one that was outside because Smitty would always have some funny line that he would sit smart like line and roll call. And I like just being around all the guys, you know, and, and yeah. it, was, it was like uh, it, roll call was always fun. Yeah. That's so much, so exciting. And just, it's entertaining every week. In fact, I have an episode right now that I have to watch when we're done. Cause I have been catching up now. I kind of get the vibe from your character that he's an old, we kind of alluded to this a little bit, an old school, like the old rampart days of LAPD who have been through a lot, seen a lot. How do you kind of go into to your character, Smitty, and inform yourself to kind of just play this old school cop that just really I, doesn't care? I think Smitty has seen everything. Yeah. I think he's seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And you sort of get numb by it all, I think. You know, it's like, say, with doctors who lose lives, that you come to a point where it's like you kind of become emotionless with it. And so when I see these rookies come in and they're all gung ho, I'm like, OK, pump the brakes. But I know, you know, I was that way once. You're going to get to me where you're a little jaded by all this stuff. And let's just let's let's not go too much, you know. So I think that that he's that guy. But he sees these rookies come in and they're all just they're they're functioning at the bit, ready to, you know, change the world. And I get it. And it's admirable. But uh, I've seen too much. Say, oh, this is the reality. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, forget everything that you learned in training. And now I'm going to really teach you how to be a police officer. And I was reading in some of the trades that, you know, you guys, obviously, you can only be a rookie for so long. And we're now kind of in that last period where the the heat is on, so to speak. And Nolan, uh, Filion's character gets in a bit of a trouble, gets held back a little bit. But we still don't really know if that's going to still hold or not. And it's just a fun show. And now I understand they're might be bringing on some new people. You got Brendan Ralph that just appeared in the last episode, which was really fun to see him kind of play a different character. Now, since the lockdown, we've had a couple episodes. How has filming been? Are you still filming now and kind of getting episodes out or is it all kind of in the can and film as you go type of show? Well, we, we've been filming up to Christmas, like the week before Christmas. And then we all said, goodbye. we'll see each other, you know, um, after the first of the year. Like I said, I think it was January 3rd. We were supposed to start the next episode. And that's when the corona spiked after the Christmas break. And so that's pushed back. So um, we're just uh, in a holding pattern right now, but ready to go. Yeah. And your <laughs> wife's probably ready to get you out of the house. <laughs> she's, she's definitely <laughs> ready to get me out. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. And I don't know if you have kids or not, but I, I think it's like everybody's like, we're all just happy to be here. And now it's like, OK, when are you going back to work? And oh, uh, I know I know my wife, my wife's probably had it with me. She was, oh, my God, get out of here. Yeah, uh, Aren't you sure you don't have something else that you can do? Funny, funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit, Brent, and talk about some of the other titles that you carry, because you have that work out there available to check out. You're a writer, director, producer. You've created a lot of your own content as well. And let's talk about that. Do you prefer to be in front of or behind the camera? Or is there really a preference as a creative? There's not a preference. Uh, when I direct, it's a lot more pressure. 
you know, because you've got wearing a lot of hats. And I tell people, I said, you know, I must answer when I'm directing a film, 500 questions. And, right. And I'm not over exaggerating. It's literally five. It's students. a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations, 18 hours, perhaps to shoot two scenes. And yeah. it's usually over the course of a week to create an entire episode. And everything could go wrong. You know, it's like planning a wedding for 32 straight days in a row. A wedding. It's that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, the car didn't show up. Hey, it's actors that, you know, whatever. It's a million things can go wrong. I, I directed a film in Moscow, Russia, uh, a, you know, sort of the Fast and Furious Moscow style. And you cannot believe the problems I had to deal with. And I oh, came wow. home and uh, I'm not that heavy, but I, I lost 23 pounds filming over there and I oh looked like gosh. I was anorexic when I came back because just the, the amount of stress but I love it it's, it's problem solving putting that I, I just love being on the set I'm a set junkie but and I've directed myself in movies but I don't like to and a lot of times they'll say what well, you know I'll get hired to direct a film they want me to play a role I said I'd rather not I just want to concentrate on the directing but it has happened yeah well that's a lot I mean the only example that I can think of is when Ben Affleck was going to do a Batman movie and he decided he was going to just direct it and act in it and just couldn't do it. No knock on any of that, but it's just an extenuating amount of pressure. I understand trying to balance both the worlds, but I imagine as an actor, when you're on set, it kind of helps you understand a little bit maybe where the director's coming from as far as like what he or she might be having you do, I can imagine. It helps me so much that now I'm a writer and a director that I know, you know, I, I, I always think some directors don't want to direct directors, you know, right. actors. I think it's better because they know what you're up against, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a real plus. I'll tell you how this happened. Back, you know, in the day, I was doing all these low budget action films. I did one after another and they were fun to do. I, I literally get to go all over this. Sure. Uh, but then at the end of the day, they weren't very good. You know? <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? I want to do my own thing. So I wrote a play and it's over here at the Tamron Theater here in West LA, West Hollywood. And uh, it was called Actors and Other Animals. It's about a bunch of actors slash waiters that are counting their tips at the end of the night at Joe Allen's in New York. Nice. And all bitching about why they hadn't made it as actors. So it was like kind of cathartic. But anyway, but I got to, I wrote that with all my friends that are actors. And then I thought, you know what? If I just filmed this, it'd be a movie, you know, kind of like Extremities or whatever that's in one room. And so I wrote another script. I wrote it in one room. And right before you know, I was able to raise money to do this. I was doing a movie in Mallorca, Spain with James Brolin. And I told uh, James, I said, what I wanted to do. And he goes, oh, I'd love to read the script. So I gave him the script. And about two hours later, he calls me. He says, come to my room. He goes, you got a problem. He goes, I'm going to play the part that you wrote for yourself. Because it's the <laughs> best part. But I will executive produce it. And you act in it. And you play the, you act direct and you play the other, the bad guy. And I go, deal. So I got James Brolin on board. That's how I directed my first film. And then I really loved directing. So for years and years, that's all I would focus on. I get an acting job here and there, but it's all writing, directing. I do documentaries. And it was only like a couple of years ago that I got a recurring role in Shameless. Yes. And I go, well, this is kind of fun. And then The Rookie came along. So I really, I had not been concentrating on acting at all. It all been towards uh, writing, directing films. Yeah, Shameless. That's another fun show that you got to be a part of. And uh, I actually talked to Sarah Colonna this afternoon about her role on that show in season nine and 10. 
playing Lori. So that that's just great. You've done so many different things and your works directed and written have garnered you a lot of different awards. So congratulations on that. But I guess my question would be, what sort of drives you as a creative and motivates you to create your own content instead of just waiting around for the phone to ring or the email to come in to to read or audition for a part? Yeah, I, I just need to be busy. I, I want to create and be creative all the time. And as an actor, you know, you're just waiting for auditions and, you know, and so that's why I try to do plays and, you know, workshops with actors and acting class, all this kind of stuff, because I, I want to do it. I love the actual part of creating, whether I'm acting, directing or writing, doing that rather than, you know, I want to do it. Sure. And I always say this, anybody can direct a document. You know, I can do a documentary on my phone and go out and like, Brett, I could go interview you about your podcast and do this and make it really compelling. And <laughs> And I, I go to you, I said, you and I will do it together. Well, you know, and don't have much money and then we'll go sell it. And we can make a good documentary. Sure. But it, it take, it's a lot of sweat equity, but it's creative and it's not going to cost us a lot of money. That's the thing that's always with acting, that it costs money. Whereas a painter, you can get a brush paint and a canvas, you, you know, you could do it that way. But with before, to get film and cameras and all that kind of stuff, it took a lot. But now... You know, people making movies with iPhones. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I was talking to another actor, just as an example, Jake Busey, talking about growing up with his dad and going on to the film sets and watching how they made movies. And he was like, that setup that you have alone could have cost millions of dollars back in the 60s and 70s. And now you can go out and do your own thing. And he mentioned the same thing, sweat equity about, you know, that, that's why you get into this is for the, the passion and the creativity, not necessarily to become famous or to make money, which comes along in some phases of this whole world that you're a part of. But I think you have to do it just to create, to want to create. Yeah. If you're coming out here just to be famous, uh, don't <laughs> do it. Be a YouTube star or influencer. And I get it. If, if you want to be famous, be, you know, don't, I get that. But uh, don't be an actor. If, you've got to love this because, sure. uh, you know, I tell people, I, I go to Bakersfield and do a movie uh, that I know nobody's going to see rather than go to Hawaii and stay at a four five star hotel. Just because that's, I'd get more out of it. And right. it's fun. It's like, uh, I remember I directed a film in Kansas City and I had, and I'm from back there. I did this um, big wedding scene, like 250 people at a wedding. I called a lot of my old people that I went to college with and high school with, Hey, you want to be an extra? You dress up in a tuxedo, you know, and they show up and it's four 30 in the morning. It's dark. And you know, the costumers are putting their clothes on. So it's all day. And if you've never been on a set, you'll go, wait a minute, this has been two hours. This is going to be like five seconds. And we've film. been sitting around all day before we even come on to do anything. Exactly. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, they're going to kill me at the end of the day. Why I drug them with this. And all of them came up to me and they go, now I know why you love it. Because it's everybody together for one cause to make something hopefully magical. But it's the camaraderie of people. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere. It really is. And I'm from Wichita, Kansas. So we are neighbors. Uh, go Jayhawks. Yeah. And, shockers. Uh, shockers. Yeah. The WSU Shockers. Yes. Oh, that's great. And uh I think the first time I ever did stand-in work on a show in Albuquerque, 
And it was two scenes that they were filming for a show called In Plain Sight that was about this agency who put people in witness protection in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that, but I remember it just takes hours and hours to, you get there, your call time is 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Check in, you bring your own wardrobe because that's a pay bump. And then you just, you're there for hours before they even, and they might not even use you uh, depending on what it is that you're doing. So, and I finally got the organics of putting a show together and then like in a week and a half, it's on TV and you're watching it. It's 30 minutes and you're like, dang, that was a lot of work (laughs) for something that might not even make it to air depending on how it winds up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, but it's, it's like if you shoot, like let's say you shoot a, uh, a movie in Wichita, Kansas. A lot of people that are from Wichita will come see that movie. They go, "Oh, there's this, there's the uh, building down the street. Oh, there's the yeah, you know, w- yeah." So, uh, hey, sidebar: I, before this COVID thing really got bad, I was in Wichita. Really? Because I went to a place called Claflin, Kansas. Ever heard of it? I have. Claflin, Kansas. I'm doing a documentary about a girl that played basketball other than Jackie Stiles, who phenom. She set the all-time NCAA scoring record. Claflin, Kansas, population 600, and she went on to be the WNBA Rookie of the Year. So yeah. It's an amazing story. Yeah, I haven't been to Wichita in years. It's probably been over 20. Okay. When I joined the military, I left, and I came back a couple times periodically for family stuff, but I haven't been back in years. But... um it's quite different now, I understand, from when it was when I was there in the 90s, in the 2000s. So it's becoming a metropolis, apparently, for a lot of things. It's so crazy how life changes. But uh, that's very cool to have that uh, connection there. I, I want to ask you, we've talked a lot about this. What is your process uh, for coming up with new ideas? And what we kind of alluded to is the golden, new golden age of TV and entertainment. Oh, I tell you, it's and uh, isn't it a great time for television? It is it's unbelievable. Especially you know now that we're in this lockdown, there's so many great shows to see, like the Queen Queen's Gambit, Ozark, Succession, The Crown, the Michael Jordan documentary, the Tiger. I mean, there's just so much good content out there. So I've always come up with ideas. I have these pitch meetings. I pitched. I I went to San Francisco. And I saw all these young kids living in the city and it's a crazy expensive city to live in. Mm-hmm. So I went, had this idea and I went with a, a guy named Sam Sokolow and Lisa Ling and we pitched a movie to uh, Freeform called 23, about six 23 year olds who live in San Francisco and are trying to make it in the tech world. So it used to be all the young kids would come to Hollywood to try to make it in Hollywood. Now a lot of them are going up to the Silicon Valley to you know, become, you know, billionaires in the tech world the whole thing so that was like crazy you have these kids from stanford and mit and you know, living on the on sofas and somebody's floor in downtown san francisco trying to make it it, it was phenomenal and it didn't get picked up but you know you just move on to the next one but i'm, I'm coming up with all sorts of yeah especially now there's a lot of time to create um, so as we were kind of moving through this, we talked about your experiences in Kansas. You went to the University of Missouri. You did some theater. Uh, was the end goal to move to L.A. and pursue acting? Or did you kind of have different ideas about what you wanted to do and what direction? Or did you just kind of fall into it? 
I was really on the fence whether to go to New York or L.A. Okay. New York, I knew, like, sort of had the great acting team, you know, coaches and that, you know, the actor's studio and all that. And so, and then there's Hollywood. And so I, I decided to go to Hollywood. And so I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, downtown Hollywood. And I'm thinking, this looks nothing <laughs> Like I thought it would. It's like, oh man, this Your is visions it. of grandeur were yeah, so it's that it is not. And so I got an acting coach out of the LA Times, you know, in a classified ad. And I got a job at a believe it or not, there's a dairy in East LA, and I have to take the bus from Santa Monica there for a graveyard shift, and then come back and take another bus to Burbank to do acting class and come back. So I, I paid my dues. It was like, yeah. uh, and then one day I was, uh, I was working at a place called the Huntley House Hotel in Santa Monica. It's where the uh, Santa Monica Promenade is now. And, and it looked different back there than it does now. And I had an agent stop me and ask me if I was a model. Like, no. <laughs> Would you like to be? I go, nah, yeah, that's okay. And she goes, well, come to my office. We're having this casting and bring a swimsuit. And I go, okay. And, totally uh, LA moment. Totally way. LA moment. It was like that Schwab's uh, drugstore moment where it's like <laughs> her name was Nina Blanchard. She's a big time model agency out here. And oh, so yeah. I got the job. I got $250 for a day posing with these mo- girl female models. And that was more than I was making in a in a week. That's, that's big money for a beginning actor. Huge. And I go, this is I forget the Huntley House Hotel. I'm going to do this. And then so she uh, had me meet this agent named Eileen Ford, Ford Model Agency. And then they brought me to New York. Uh, so I started working as a model in New York and doing uh, you know acting classes there. And then they sent me to Milan, Italy and Paris and all that stuff. So I, I was doing that and doing well at that and having a great time. But I really wanted to come back and do acting. So uh, I left New York and Milan and Calais and started the acting stuff. The rest is history, as they say. Yes. And as a sidebar, it is funny. I remember my first time going through downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, it's not what people think it is. I mean, you see it on TV for movie premieres, whatever those are. We haven't had them in eons, it seems. They steam clean the streets. They make it look nice and pretty. But on the other side, you've got God knows what happening on both sides. It's dirty and smelly. And uh, it's it's not a pretty place. But that's really kind of not what L.A. is necessarily. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Now, it's, downtown has changed in the last few years. Now it's the hipsters are moving in. Yeah, I've heard. So it, that that has changed. But, you know, like 10 years, you did not want to be in downtown L.A. No, and that's about how long it's been since I've been. I mean, you drive through there and you see remnants of the Watts riots and all kinds of things and a lot of stuff that runs rampant. The homeless population is insane. And uh, everybody gets mad at your mayor because he doesn't do a good job. But really, my point is, is that it's kind of like you have this idea. Uh, I'm going to go to Hollywood. And uh, it. I always use this reference uh, due date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. He's like, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I want to be on Two and a Half Men. That's like my dream <laughs> uh, to, as an actor. That's all I really want to do. And uh, ironically, you know, statistically, I, I hear that the numbers are so high that people come out and even higher percentage rate that don't make it because they just don't have the tenacity that you've had or the wherewithal to really pay your dues and you know 
have your car booted or go on three buses to get to an audition with 500 other people that look like you and never hear anything. It's like a job interview and you don't ever know if you ever get the job because it's so competitive. Oh, I tell people, I said, don't come to LA if you want to be an actor. Come no. to LA if you have to be an actor. And can you, I mean, I've been doing this my entire adult life. So can you imagine how many rejections I've taken? Oh, I'm lifetime? sure millions, thousands, hundreds. Oh, literally, there's been thousands of times. Of course. Jobs I've really wanted. So I've kind of changed my approach to auditions. I go, you know what? I get to play this part in the room. And I don't care if, you know, I don't think about booking it. Hope they like me. This, that, other. I'm going to play this part. And I get to do it. And hopefully they do like me. But if not, hey, I played that role, even if it's just in their room. Because you'll make yourself crazy. Um, but you've got to really just grind it. And it's just, uh, and you got to love it. Because if you don't, it's too hard. It's too hard. And for people listening, to to be very clear, the fact that you came on and did one day and it's now turned into a regular character on the show, that doesn't happen often either. So it's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into play uh, to make you part of this ensemble cast. It doesn't happen a lot. And so it's hard work, it's effort, and it's putting all of that um, into it. You know, as we wrap up here, thinking about all of this, what advice would you give to someone who is pursuing acting or the arts, or maybe you wish that somebody would have told you or, or advice they would have given you early on in your brand? Well, I think I knew, because I have always had, had this tenacity. I, I played basketball in high school and college, and so I was like this gym rat. And I want, you know, I've just always been uh, very motivated. I've always had a very strong work ethic, which is totally different than Smitty. Smitty's the lady, which is funny, because he's like a really lazy guy. But I've always had this work ethic, and I'm just going to not give up. And so I'll see people like I just saw an actor that you know I came into the business with. He goes, "Oh my God, are you still doing this? You're a warrior." Goes, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Just because, yeah, because I love it. And it's like uh, I'll go to my deathbed knowing, God, I, I could have been better. You, you, I can always improve. I want to get better and better and better. And that never leaves, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and there's always situations that are better. And I'm just fortunate to be on the rookie. And it's like my very first scene was with Nathan. And he's so welcoming to any guest to come on. And when the show, when he's the show and he's just a down-to-earth guy and you go, man, that's a show I'd love to be called back on. And I'm fortunate enough though. Yeah, well, we had him booked and then the pandemic happened and now everything's on a hold for a lot of people because they don't want to do press necessarily if something's not happening, some like yourself who will come on at any point and some will just want to wait. So I'm thankful for the things that I get to do. And it's been so much fun chatting with you. I just, I, I tell you, you know, I talk to a lot of people, but this has definitely been a highlight uh, for me. If people want to check out the other things that you've done, uh, some of your other films that have garnered some pretty, big awards and, and other projects you've written and directed, Brent, how can they do so? Uh, go to brenthuff.com. So all my stuff is listed there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, we're excited to see what happens this season and uh, where the show takes you and, and all the other characters uh, that always make for a good laugh and uh, keep us on the edge of our seats as well. <laughs> thanks, Brent, yeah. for being here. Well, Brent, thanks so much for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. 
That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.